Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're continuing with our journey through Acts of the Apostles, Colin, and uh, last week we found Paul involved in a riot in Ephesus, and now he's en route to Jerusalem, and of course his heart's desire is to go from there to Rome. We're in chapter 20. And we're not going to follow all the details of his his journey uh, and the various trials that um, he went through, uh, both in, in uh, Jerusalem, Caesarea, and and then later his imprisonment in Rome. We're just going to pick out of these last chapters the the really salient points of teaching that we need. If we pick up in chapter 20, verse 7, we met together to break bread on the Sunday, and because he intended to leave on the following day, Paul spoke to the people until midnight. I like to quote that verse so that if people think that I preach long sermons, I can always say, Paul preached longer sermons. (laughs) Um, The upstairs room where we met was lit by many lamps. Seated on the windowsill was a young man called Eutychus who fell asleep while Paul was speaking at such length. While asleep, he fell to his death from the third story. Paul went down to him, bent down to him, uh, and embraced him. There is nothing to be alarmed about, he said. He is alive. Then he returned upstairs where they broke bread and ate together. The young man was taken home alive and well, much to everyone's relief. Praise God. Uh, Exciting things can happen if people fall asleep during a meeting. I suppose that's a very good example. Don't fall asleep while you're listening to the Word of God. He obviously had a great sense of urgency about it. He knew he wasn't going to be there long. What I like, though, you know, about this is Paul goes down, prays for him, the guy's restored, and then they just get on with the meeting. Business as usual. Uh, business as usual. And actually, I've known that kind of thing to happen. Um, somebody to die in a meeting, and after they've been brought back to life, you just carry on with the meeting. So it does, things like that do happen today as well. So then their journey continues, and um, we come to a very, very important passage which begins at verse 17. Uh, Paul, by this time, has reached Miletus, and he summons the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet with him. And what he does is to give a review of his ministry among them uh, when he was at Ephesus. Paul did spend a prolonged time there. Now, I've used this many, many times at leaders' meetings, pastors' meetings, because there are so many really important principles of ministry. Paul is really teaching these elders from his own experience, and nothing is more powerful than that. There's little point in speaking theoretically Uh, to be able to say, look, you've been able to observe the way in which I ministered in your midst. And you see, by implication, what he's doing is teaching them these principles that need to be at work in their own lives as those with leadership responsibility for the church. So what does he say? Well, in verse 18, 
From the time I arrived in the province of Asia, you have seen the example I set by the way I lived among you. I serve the Lord humbly and often with tears. Now, here is the most important thing about any ministry, that it's a service that you are humbly serving. Even if you're an apostle like Paul, your motive is still to serve the people in the name of Jesus with humility. And these are not tears of sorrow, they're tears of love, tears of compassion, tears of his concern to see the people in Ephesus responding to the word of God and putting that word obediently into action in their lives. Then he says, I was sorely tried by the way the Jews plotted against me. So he was having this uh, constant opposition while, while he was forming the church, helping to establish the church there in Ephesus, this constant persecution and opposition that was coming from uh, his fellow Jews there who were basically rejecting the gospel. Yet, as you know, I never hesitated to preach whatever would be helpful to you. Now, that is another good principle, especially for those with the responsibility to preach. You are there to preach not what would be popular, but what the people need to hear. Uh, preaching is a tremendous responsibility because you have the commission from God to speak to the people what is on the heart of God himself. You are there to say what God wants his people to hear, not what you want to say, not what the people want to hear, but what the Lord wants to say to his people. There, in that sense, has to be a prophetic element, not a a predictive prophecy, but real prophecy is speaking from the heart of God to the hearts of his people. And that's what should be happening when you preach. Different to teach, just to expound the word of God, but preaching uh, really has that element of this is God's word to his people at this time. So he is saying, I never hesitated to preach whatever would be helpful to you because, of course, God always wants to help and encourage his people in that way. I taught you at the public meetings and face to face. So he's talking about what he did um, when the church gathered together, whether it was in small groups or the whole congregation, but also what he did face to face with individuals. I proclaimed to both Jews and Greeks alike that they had to turn to God in true repentance and put their faith in our Lord Jesus. Well, you've heard me say again and again that people are only truly born again when there has been that repentance and that faith, that there are no cheap ways into the kingdom of God. It's not just a question of mindlessly saying a prayer repetitively after somebody else, but of coming to a real heart repentance, a turning away from your former life to embrace the life of God, knowing that you're forgiven, wanting a new life because you put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then Paul continues, but now I am going to Jerusalem, believing that the Holy Spirit is urging me to do so, even though I have no idea what will happen to me once I'm there. However, I do know that in every city I visit, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and suffering await me. Now, this is 
something amazing about Paul because, of course, other people were having prophecies as well about what was going to happen to him when he went to Jerusalem. Yet he was convinced this was the will of God and he was still prepared to go, even knowing that prison and suffering awaited him. That's quite a heart, isn't it? And he points out why in verse 24, but the only thing that matters to me is that I complete the work the Lord Jesus has given me to bear witness to the gospel of God's grace. Nothing else matters by comparison. And you see, that is the heart of someone who is truly submitted to the Lord and his purposes, which, of course, anybody in leadership needs to be in that same place. Verse 25, I know in my heart that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom of God will ever see me again. The kingdom of God is, of course, the essence of the gospel, so that God can rule and reign in the hearts and lives of his people. So I affirm to you now that I have faithfully fulfilled God's purpose. Faithfulness is so important in the people of God. It, it is absolutely cardinal because faithfulness is uh, actually outworked in our loving obedience to the Lord Jesus. Without that faithfulness, God can't rely upon people and other people will not be able to rely upon leaders. Very, very important to have faithful leaders and faithful leaders need faithful people who will follow them in the purposes of God. I have never hesitated to make his will clear to you. Yes, I have preached every aspect of God's word so I charge you to watch diligently over both yourselves and all those the Holy Spirit has given you to oversee. Um, <clears throat> good leaders are to be given double honor because they have this double responsibility. They've got to watch over their own lives, but they're also responsible to oversee those whom God has entrusted to their care, to be bringing them the word of the Lord, to be ensuring as far as possible that the whole church is moving together in the purposes of God. So Paul says, be good shepherds of God's church, all those he purchased for himself with his own blood. I am well aware that after I have gone, savage wolves will seek to come into the church and they will care nothing for the sheep. I'm working on the annotated version of this truth version of the Bible at present. And uh, it's really been impressed upon me how, how many warnings there are in the New Testament about deception and about deception coming into the life of the church, about wrong teaching, about those who will draw people away from the purposes of God to follow after themselves rather than to follow after Jesus. One warning after another. And it's obvious that the apostles were so conscious of the danger of people being drawn away from faith in the truth. So he says, some will even emerge from your own number who will distort the truth because their motive will be to create their own followers. And that's what happens when divisions are caused within the church. So Paul says, watch out for such people and remember that I watched over you diligently myself for three years by both day and night, often with tears. Now it is time for me to entrust you to God, to the word of his grace that has the power to build you up and enable you to share in the inheritance that he gives to all those he has called and set apart for himself. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 